May I speak to you in the name of one God who is our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. Amen. During the late 1960s and early 1970s, there emerged throughout America a realization that we were losing our connection with genuine one-on-one communication. The more things change, the more they stay the same, right? (laughs) The seeds for a reawakening of interest in the spoken tradition were being sown. And in 1973, in a tiny Tennessee town, tucked away in the Appalachian Mountains, something happened that rekindled our national appreciation of the told story and became the spark for a movement for a rebirth of the art of storytelling. Every October since 1973, thousands of travelers have visited Jonesboro, Tennessee. They come to hear stories and to tell them at the National Storytelling Festival. This celebration of America's rich and varied storytelling tradition, the oldest and most respected gathering anywhere devoted to storytelling, has in turn spawned a national storytelling revival. And so I don't know about you, but I love a good story. A well-delivered tale can invoke a wide range of emotions. Story of overcoming struggle can be inspiring. A story of winning, of good winning over evil can make us feel powerful or even vindicated. A story can even allow us to escape for a moment in a world less complicated than our own. I had the privilege of attending an outstanding conference last week, and the theme of the gathering put on by the Episcopal Church was, it's all about love. I met some wonderful inspirational people from all over the country, serving in many different contexts and capacities. One commonality between all of the people I encountered is everyone had a story to tell. Some shared their stories as testimonies in formal conference sessions. Some shared them in one-on-one conversations. Some were more outspoken, some were not, and that's okay. Some shared their stories as examples of overcoming adversity. Some shared their stories as a way to speak truth to power. Some shared their stories to give thanks for the ways God had worked in their lives. Upwards of a thousand people, Episcopal clergy and lay people, came together in Baltimore to learn about creation care, evangelism, and racial reconciliation. All things that are important in the scope of the church and in the world. I would go one step farther and say that the care of our planet, the spread of the gospel, and the reconciliation of the oppressed with the oppressors are essential Christian missions. Some might argue one or more of these are not missions that ought to fall on the church. To that, I would say, if not the church, then who? In the parable of the sower, we can see themes relating to each of these missions. We also see the lavishness of a God who loves unconditionally. 
a God who, in fact, is all about love. Now, I really enjoy a good parable. A simple story used to illustrate a moral or a lesson that Jesus is trying to teach. The key words, simple stories. (laughs) Let's face it, Jesus knows that we are not all great theologians. In fact, and I speak for myself here, he knows many of us can be rather dense when it comes to anyone trying to teach us a lesson. He also knows that by delivering his messages in contexts that are familiar to his audiences, there's a greater chance the message will be heard and understood. That is what he is doing with the parable of the sower in today's reading. Jesus knows the people he's talking to are mostly farmers, those involved in agricultural pursuits. So what better way to illustrate his point than to put it in the context of a story about seeds and soil? Maybe the most obvious lesson we can take from this is that we should all strive to be fertile soil, right? If we can just try hard enough, we'll be that kind of soil that receives the word of God and turns it into an abundant crop. So here's the question. Are you good soil? I am. (laughs) Sometimes. Okay, maybe most of the time. Okay, maybe last Friday I was. Other days, I'm a paved parking lot, or a pile of rocks, or full of thorns and weeds. I'd love to be fertile soil all the time, but to be honest, I have all four of the soils Jesus speaks of within me. And which one I am is often determined by how tired or hungry I am, or even the latest news headline What is fertile soil may one day make a thorny mess the next. But here we all are in church. So I think it's safe to assume that at some point in all of our lives, a seed was sown in fertile soil and took root long enough for us to begin bearing fruit. So let's talk for a moment about these seeds. Jesus tells us that what is sown in this parable, the seeds, are the words of the kingdom. This can be broadly interpreted. Let me share with you what I think. The words of the kingdom are words of good news. They are words of comfort, reassurance, words of hope. They are words of freedom and peace, of renewal, of abundant life. They are words of resurrection, words that never fail. God sows the seeds of love without prejudice or distinction, not judging in advance who is worthy or who is unworthy to receive them. The seeds are for all, for the seeds are scattered in the abundance of God's generosity and grace. They are scattered far and wide, scattered on the paths meant for peace 
scattered in the rocky ground of social injustice and deprivation that can wither and destroy the soul. They are scattered in the thorn of bushes of addiction, neglect, and violence. They are also scattered in soil that gives the optimum conditions for flourishing and growth. Now, Jesus invested in some pretty rocky ground in his time. Tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers, demon-possessed people, and the folks who seemed like fertile ground, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, were the ones who weren't receptive to the message that Jesus was bringing. In the dark places, in the light places, and all the places in between, God sows the seeds of love. In the midst of our world today, we too are called to be sowers, to scatter the seeds of God's word extravagantly, generously, joyfully, mirroring the wideness of God's mercy wherever and whenever we can, to share the gospel through our words and, more importantly, through our actions. Yet we don't control the kind of soil in which the seeds land. You just never know, do you? That person who you don't want to help or you're afraid to talk with or that believes differently than you on some issue might be fertile soil for receiving the love and grace of God that you have to share. You just never know. If you've ever planted a garden, you know it takes time and patience and many of the things that determine the success of your garden are out of your control. You plant your seeds, you do what you can, and then you trust in God. We just don't know, do we? We are not called to make sure the seeds grow. We're simply called to scatter them recklessly, letting them land where they may, trusting in God to make them grow. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But you and I don't have the authority or the privilege to decide who gets to hear the word and who doesn't. We don't get to choose to whom we offer grace and forgiveness and to whom we withhold it. We don't get to say whose life is valuable, who is worthy of God's love, who belongs or doesn't belong in God's kingdom. But in order to sow these seeds of love, we also must be receptive to receiving God's word in our own hearts. I don't know about you, but I am very receptive to receiving something when I agree with it or when it provides me comfort. But when God calls me to love someone that I'm struggling with or to rethink the way I think about something, I put up a very real and a very human defense, thinking I know best. After all, I'm right. <laughs> this parable challenges us to stay receptive to God's word and then to be generous, even reckless, in how we share what we hear. But in order to share it, we have to hear it. So how do we do it? What is our action item for this lesson? How do we go about sowing the seeds of God's love? Well, 
When we ask a homeless person their name, we sow the seeds of love. When we use a preferred pronoun, we sow the seeds of love. When we are present for another in a time of need, we sow the seeds of love. When we push back against racism, sexism, discrimination, and a toxic culture, we sow the seeds of love. When we can acknowledge our discomfort, and instead of turning our backs, ask why we are disturbed, we sow the seeds of love. When we use those challenging opportunities not to be coerced into changing our own beliefs, but to understand and to learn, we sow the seeds of love. Friends, there will always be someone or a group of someones who make us uncomfortable. Jesus made a lot of people uncomfortable and still does. He was a preacher from the wrong side of town. He hung out with the excluded and the exploited. Many of us would not have included him in our own social circles. He is fully aware of that, by the way, and he forgives us for it. (laughs) Gandhi said in one of his most famous quotes, or more famous quotes, if you don't meet God in the very next person you meet, you may as well not look any further. Friends, this is the great equalizer. This is the antidote to the us versus them mentality. I'm reminded here of another quote by author, theologian, pastor, and one of my favorites, Nadia Bowles-Weber. She writes, Every time we draw a line between us and others, Jesus is always on the other side. Friends, what does your story say about God? How has your heart been fertile soil? How has it been rocky? How has it been full of thorns? Are you actively sowing seeds of hope, reassurance, and resurrection? Jesus used earthly stories to teach heavenly truths. His parables are more than illustrations for his preaching. They are his preaching. These stories reveal the character of God, how he gives grace and forgiveness to all, even though we don't deserve it. Thanks to that movement, which began in that little town in Tennessee, there are now hundreds of storytellers traveling throughout the U.S. sharing their timeless tales. What if, hmm, like the Tennessee storytellers, we had groups of people who would retell the parables of Jesus to people all over the world, all over the community, to share the gospel, to evangelize. Also, what if we had a platform, some kind of, I don't know, technology, that would enable us to instantly reach anyone in any place at any time? Hmm. So I have digressed into sarcasm, and I apologize for that. (laughs) Of course we have those things. And friends, we do have them, and they are you, and they are me. They are the church. We are the church. Earlier this morning, we commissioned a group of our youth and their leaders as they headed off on a mission trip today. 
To them and to you, I would say, you can be evangelists, you can be reconcilers, and you can care for God's creation. We must. If not us, then who? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, the world now is too dangerous and too beautiful for anything but love. May our eyes be so blessed that we see God in everyone, our ears so we hear the cry of the poor. May our hands be so blessed that everything we touch is a sacrament, our lips so we speak nothing but the truth with love. May our feet be so blessed that we run to those who need us. And may our hearts be so opened, so set on fire, that we live in a way that reflects your great love for each of us. Amen.